Hello there, and welcome to episode 41 of Kazawab. I am one of the hosts of this episode, Willie, and as usual, we've got... The real host of this episode, Isaiah. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah IV. What's good? Welcome to another episode, baby. So we're here with another news episode. Um, We didn't know that we were going to do another news episode this year. We actually had planned to not do that, but... Due to some big things in the entertainment world, we decided that the episode we had for this week could be moved around, and it will, we'll get to it eventually. But we're here. News 7. I'm excited to talk about some of the things that were released, and, and this is definitely going to be the last news episode, but, you know, some interesting stuff dropped, and we got to we gotta be in there, bro. We definitely do have some things that we need to discuss, honestly. Uh, and I'm not just saying one, I mean... We talk about a variety of entertainment genres here and mediums here at Kazuwap. I think there's a little bit going on in all of them, you know, one more than maybe the others. But at the same time, there's stuff going on all over the place. It's been a really good year for entertainment. I would argue it's been one of the best. This is the recovery year after COVID for sure. I mean, hey, I would even argue that we're not even we're not even in the full recovery year yet. Like we are still going to get some greatness, maybe 24, maybe 25, you know, maybe those are the years that we're really going to feel it, especially because of our first news topic tonight. The reason why we decided to have this episode in the first place, SAG-AFTRA, the actor's strike that's been going on for a hundred plus days is over. Ding, 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 boys. You know, it, it took a long time. I believe that it was the longest actor strike in the history of like the cinema, like the entertainment industry. This is the longest it's ever been. And 86% voted in favor of these new contracts. And I know that the contract still technically has a lot of like holes that people are looking into and nothing is like super concrete, but the strikes are done. Actors are back at work. A lot of people feel confident in what's been discussed. And so, you know, I I understand some of the contract that I read, but if they feel like it's done what it's needed to do, we're great. Power to you guys. Congratulations on winning. Everyone's talking about movies again. The actors are posting their behind the scenes. It's great. It's fun. I'm excited to be back. Congrats to them. I agree, man. I mean, four months, four months of nothing new, four months of not knowing if that show that you loved from earlier in the year got renewed, Um, four months of knowing what the storylines are for a lot of stuff. It's just crazy for it to all. It almost feels like renaissance bro it feels like entertainment renaissance it feels like there was restriction and now there's going to be this big rush of content and we talked about this in that last episode that i really hope that the writers and the actors that have been unable to do work they have been practicing and keeping their pen sharp and their and their emotions accessible because i really feel like there's a wave now coming. So this wave, we're going to try to pick it apart as best as we possibly can. Um, just talking about some of the pieces of information that came from this 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 strike finally being done and these studios finally figuring out how much of an asshole they've been throughout <laughs> the whole process. Jeez Louise. Look, the thing about studios, bro, is that they're always going to be assholes. Someone already started speaking about the way that AI can be used in movies still the day after the strikes ended. So, 
you know, you, you can't always win on every battlefield and, unless you're willing to fight back harder. And so I'm interested to see what other kind of fights happen against these asshole CEOs and stuff um, running these studios. But I'm excited for the actors. They were happy to be back. The behind-the-scenes footage of things like Ariana Greenblatt on Ahsoka, like, they, they are, they're extremely happy to be returning. And I'm happy for them because not, not everybody was able to be living luxuriously these last few months people needed the donations that people were donating so they're back and um i'm interested to see what kind of things come out of all of this because like what you're saying renaissance is the perfect word the actors hopefully took their time to think about how they're going into certain projects what kind of roles they're taking the writers hopefully thought about ooh. This, this could be something good, something new and refreshing and not sloppy and fast the way the studios like it. So I'm interested to see how honorable uh, the studios are of these workers and how well everyone honors, you know, the work that they're putting into these things now. Did you Do you think now the same way COVID came and it did a production pause that we'll then see a delay in content for like a couple of months that reflect the fact that we hadn't had any of these actors or these writers accessible for for what was that 120 days like do you think do you think that we'll see that or do you think that the content will just be constant in 2024 oh i mean we're we're definitely going to be getting hit with some delays some other areas they might do a little bit of crunching which would suck or maybe some of them won't actually need the crazy amount of time that we think but i think there are going to be some things that are delayed but it's going to be necessary to get some good stuff. So why don't we jump into this content then, man? Let's let's see what uh what awaits. All right. I mean, let's let's hop right into Marvel uh, among the delay conversation, right? Marvel movies have had some delays, you know, and, and some released announcements, even though they shouldn't be doing that until they know that the movie's going to be ready. But we got Deadpool 3 being the only technical MCU movie releasing next year, uh, being July 26th, 2024. We got Captain America 4, Brave New World, now releasing on February 14th, 2025. We got The Thunderbolts, releasing on July 15th of 2025. And, um, you know, the Fantastic Four planned movie for... May 2nd. And we're going to get a little bit into that Fantastic Four in a bit, trust. Um, and then we got Blade, November 7th, 2025. And those are MCU titles. Sony has a few films dropping in 2024 also. But I think most people are kind of like, ugh, Sony films, you know. So for MCU movies, I want to talk about this because this is actually a big thing for cinema. I think that for me personally, it's good that there's only one thing next year because... There needs to be some time to step away. I think people are feeling burnout, exhaustion, and many other things with Marvel right now. And I think this time away might give them some reflection time to say, what can we do differently? The same way that I think DC should be doing their thing, you know? I think 2024 can be a good break year, give people a break, let them watch other things, and then come back refreshed and and ready to go in 2025. How, How about you? It's a year of time for us to reflect on what it's meant to really just ingest this superhero content 
and like not have it, just not have it for 365 days with the exception of Deadpool. And then like whatever comes in 2025, we come to it with a refreshed palate. It's like when you go to an Asian restaurant and they give you radish to clean your palate before you eat the next meal, like that kind of a concept happening is good. It's all about the Renaissance, dog. I'm trying to tell them they're not trying to hear me, bro. They're not trying to hear us. Wake up. If you're listening, we're in a part of like entertainment culture. It's the last of humanity right now, bro. Because when them AI take over and we're trying to figure out who wrote what, it's going to be alarming and hard to actually enjoy what it is you eating. Right now, no, it's people. No, it's people digging deep for what they got in a time where we really need, we really need you to write these stories, you know? So 2025 is going to be a great year. Um, 2024 in the meantime, though, everybody just shut up. Just shut up. Well, you know what? We're still going to have some Disney Plus stuff dropping next year. Um, So they can't exactly just go all the way hush-hush. We got What If. You know, they dropped the season two of What If. And, um, you know, I don't like What If. I'm just going to say it as is. I was excited for the show when it was originally announced. The concept of what the show was supposed to be. But then it kind of changed a little bit. And then... The first episode came out, and I did not like it. I thought it was poorly put together. And the second episode was kind of cool. I think it's overhyped because it's the last time we hear about Chadwick and we hear Chadwick's voice, but overrated. Third episode was dope, but as it continued, I just didn't like it. I like what the idea is on paper, and I don't like it. And so season two, they I, I watched this trailer, and all I'm seeing is more of the same stuff that I didn't like. Is it fun? Yes, but it's fun that I didn't I, I didn't enjoy it. Like I enjoy really fun dumb movies. I didn't enjoy What If the way I wanted to. So I'm not necessarily excited for What If season 2. Um how about how about you, bro? Yeah, man, I'm going to be honest. I haven't even watched all of What If. What If is one of those shows where it's like I'll get to it when I get to it but with the stank that Marvel has had as we've talked about in our number of episodes about Marvel and the the, the path they've been on what if was just a kind of eh to me so it's a show I have downloaded on my iPad so whenever I take a flight I'll watch one episode um I'm glad it's coming back I guess it's cool to see comic book level lore concepts of what could be make its way it's cool to help us stomach the cosmic the difference between you know what was back when we had just captain america and iron man and hulk and thor and black widow and hawkeye and that was it um scarlet witch like like now we're getting to a new place so this is a door opener it always it always has been in my eyes if they're going to continue with that i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at it um for me, I really do think it's just poorly put together. And I know I might catch some like, oh, you're wilding out for that. But some of the voice acting was just garbage to me. The concepts weren't incredibly interesting and not even necessarily fun. Like, I think only three of those episodes really stood out to me as something really, really like good. Um, and reading the episode titles for season two, meh, more the same, man. Um you know, and I know, you know, we spoke about Daredevil a few weeks ago and the rewriting of that whole show due to the writer strikes. And, you know, we got our first trailer for Echo. And I'm going to keep it quick with Echo because I know that maybe you don't really care about it. And, you know, Daredevil and, you know, we, we, we'll have to talk about Daredevil eventually. And we'll get to that before Echo drops. But 
people weren't excited for Echo, and then they are now because of the trailer. And in my mind, all I know is I was always open to the idea of Echo, and it is people's jobs to make things look good with trailers. And so I will be there to watch Echo, all of it, day one on Disney+. Plus. But, you know, something with the Marvel stuff that I know that you're going to have an opinion on, though, is the rumored Fantastic Forecast. And specifically the Mr. Fantastic choice, bro. So I'm going to let you kick off the rumored. So if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead. Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic rumors. All right, bro. So when it comes to the Fantastic Four, we already know, right? We've talked about in the past. I, I, I wish that Krasinski, just first and foremost, I wish that Krasinski was actually going to stick around and it wasn't just a little little multiverse of madness, Easter egg fan service moment to see him on the screen. It does suck that he isn't. I love Pedro, bro. I'm not saying I don't. He is, I was telling somebody just just the other day, he is two out of the three main characters from my favorite stuff this year, Mandalorian and Last of Us. You know, like he's a giant. He's a giant right now as an actor. He's everywhere. And that's my issue. I've talked about Margot Robbie in the past and how I didn't want her to be involved in this Marvel project as potentially being a visible woman when it was a rumor. And, I, and I'll say the same thing now, man. I just think Pedro, I don't want to see him everywhere. I want to see new representation on the screen. There are other actors that could do this. And I think that they'll make the character wrap around him and they'll make him fit Reed Richards. I'm not saying I don't see it. I do. It's just I don't want it, me personally. I'll take anyone else, please. Just let this man breathe. He's already got Mando. It's looking like another year where next year Mando season four will come out and we'll be in there and and watching him and watching Fantastic Four at the same time. Yet again, he's just going crazy. There are hundreds of actors in Hollywood. Hundreds. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this is popping up now as the SAG after strike is now resolved. And it's like, how long have they known this? Was this something that got cooked up a while ago and it's just surfacing for us? Is it truly a rumor? Is this, look, bro, it looks like it's pretty official from what I'm seeing. I don't know how I feel about it. Am I going to watch? Of course. Do I think he'll kill? Sure, of course. But am I happy with it? No, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I knew I knew that you weren't going to be happy about it. But all I know is that when it was Adam Driver, you was more like, oh, okay, uh, sure, I'll, I'll take that. Look, from what it seems like they're building with this Fantastic Four movie, it seems like as opposed to what I've said that DC should do with their new actors and bring in new faces, they want the Fantastic Four to be recognizable. They want them to be big, and they're crafting a different type of story than I think a lot of people are thinking they're going to do. They're not doing a young team. They're doing an advanced Fantastic Four movie. So when when I saw the rumor of Pedro Pascal, I thought to myself, hmm, Reed Richards. And I thought about it, and I thought about it, and I thought about it. And then I realized, for any actors that come into this role, I don't really care. Because what has failed Fantastic Four movies in the past the most is the writing and direction. I don't know if it's necessarily ever been on the actors. And so I think that with Pedro, um, we don't really get to see him often as the Mandalorian. So I think that, you know, Joel is really where you're like, oh, shoot, it's him. And then you see him as Mr. Fantastic. 
I think that where some people say, oh, I can't really see him in the role, I think that could be cool because they could, that means he could try something new. He could flex his acting abilities a little bit more than in some other areas. And I'm interested to see what he does with it if he is the main choice. I'm not happy about it, but to be fair, I don't think I'd be really happy about anybody. I think I'd just be like, oh, it's cool. I don't care who it is. And for the rest of the team, you know, they're saying Vanessa Kirby is Invisible Woman. I actually don't know if I've ever seen a movie with her in it. They're saying my boy Micro from The Punisher is the thing. That'll be cool, I guess. They're saying that the dude who played Eddie on Stranger Things, Joseph Quinn, is the human torch. Something is different about this movie, and I'm interested to see what that different aspect is. But, you know, you know, bro, let, let, let's, let's move away from Marvel. Let's head to another universe that you and I love dearly, I, I think. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender finally given its first trailer from Netflix. And I know I sent it to you, and you were like, oh, shoot, I'll watch it in a minute. And I said, cool, don't tell me anything. So what did you think? Nah, bro, I'm super pumped. I'm super pumped. I'm super gassed because we've been waiting for this, bro. We've been seeing the photos to finally have footage. Really big deal. Um, and I don't know. I can understand some people who have apprehension because a lot of the words I've heard is, but what about Death Note? But what about One Piece? But what about Cowboy Bebop? Shout out to our anime episode with Evan. We're concerned, but... Can the story ring true from that footage? Just kind of looking saucy, my opinion. What about you? I mean, the first thing that I thought was it looks good visually. It visually looked kind of stunning. Like to be watching the trailer and immediately recognize Omashu, Roku's Island, things like that. The throne room of the Fire Lord. It visually looked good. The characters visually look good. Now, for me, what I'm saying about this show, something that I say a lot nowadays because it's 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 right for me to say, I'm cautiously optimistic because it seems like for the most part, there was care put into this to make sure that fans of the original would enjoy it. However, where the caution comes in of that cautiously optimistic is why did the original creators of Avatar The Last Airbender leave production on this show due to creative differences? What does that mean? Right. And to be honest with you, that's that since you've told me, I've been in my head like, damn, I want this to be so good. But it does scare me that the people with the heart behind, not just that, Legend of Korra, you know, we got our we got our arguments about that. But at the end of the day, these people are the ones that have the they're the creators of the heart of this show that we all fell in love with that shaped our childhood. For them to embark in a different direction with a different mentality than what Netflix was going forward with on this show, it is a scary thought, if you're honest with yourself. Does it mean I've lost all hope? No. I can hear you saying that you're optimistically cautious about how you feel. But at the same time, bro, I look at the situation and I'm like, Avatar is going to win no matter what. I'm also in that place where it's like any light on Avatar and the fact that it will have the masses pop out to watch this. Someone's going to pump money behind some more Avatar. And if it's Nickelodeon again or if it's whoever, it's going to bring us a W. This may not be it. It could be, but it may not be it. And if it's not, that's fine. Maybe it'll age. Maybe it'll be sold. Maybe there's a lot. We're here. We've arrived 
Aang is back. Sokka's back. I'm trying to see a live action Sokka getting his meteor sword. Like, what are we talking about? So, you know, since you brought up Sokka, bro, I feel like I have to also kind of comment on the caution of the actor of Sokka. Now, nothing has been confirmed as far as I know. News is a bit hard to follow. You know, they've been keeping a lot of this under wraps and, you know, Google Google don't give you all the answers sometimes. Um, the actor of Sokka on this live action show, his name is Ian something. I, I can't even remember it. Supposedly, not confirmed, but apparently he lied that he was a part of a native tribe in order to get this role because they they were casting appropriately via by like by culture and so supposedly he lied he put down a name of a tribe that the government doesn't even like see as an official tribe and some people couldn't even find any like history of it and stuff like that some people say that they, it's true and that there is history and some people say that it's not but it was bad people were calling for a recast and they're saying they're going to boycott the show and everything for it and so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's there. It's there, and there's enough evidence backing that, you know, maybe he did lie. <laughs> oh, my man, he is tripping, bro. He's tripping. Listen, if that's the case, if that's really the case, we're going to just have to suck that one up. Yep, that's right. You just finished your, your, your run through. All, oh, actually, nah. All you people who didn't watch Loki season two because, because Jonathan Majors is in it, y'all going to have to suck it up. You're just going to have to suck it up. You want to know why? Because sometimes we're people and we make mistakes. And if this guy lied, it's too late. We're watching it. It's over. Stop. But if he didn't lie and it really is just like a tribe that is undocumented, at the end of the day, it's like, how do you know? You can't really prove that. How, how do you really? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a tough thing to beat, bro. It's It's... You win or you lose, either way. Either way, for me, the show, it could be good, it could be bad. I don't I don't know if I care. I would love it to be good, but if it's bad, I got the original show, I got the Legend of Korra, and I got the Avatar Studios productions that the creators were able to create because they left this. So it's a win no matter what, in my opinion, bro. Netflix had a lot of other things that came out. I mean, if you haven't gone to Netflix YouTube, you should just go to their YouTube. Just look at all of the videos that have dropped. I mean, we've got Tomb Raider animated show coming out. Masters of the Universe has a show coming out. Ubisoft's, Ubisoft's announced a uh, show that kind of has like a Ubiverse almost with a bunch of different characters from different games they've made. Captain Laserhawk is coming out. Yes, we do have a Witcher animated show coming out and it should stay animated forever in my opinion. Scott Pilgrim takes off, gets its final, uh, final trailer, which was really adorable because it shows their love story. Man, Scott Pilgrim. Hey, you know, the anime is out today. It's out today. Like, as of 3 a.m. this morning, November 17th, it's out. Go watch the anime. I watched the movie yesterday. I promised I would. But we're going to have to talk about that next year. Um, Netflix, they did their thing, man. The Dragon Prince is getting a new season. Arcane Season 2 was announced. The Umbrella Academy, my favorite Netflix original series of all time. Final season dropping next year. Stranger Things 5 talk. It's it's crazy. Netflix. They, they, you know, for better or worse, they, they had a nice geeked week. Netflix has a lot, man. There's a lot of shows, TV shows that are just going to be taking over the year, like you said. Um, 
But I also want to kind of like shift before we kind of end toward the back end of this this episode and pause and look at something gaming wise that I uh, I wanted to hear your thoughts on, man. On Wednesday the fifteenth, PlayStation finally let go and released its PlayStation Portal, which is a device that looks like a PlayStation Five controller was stretched out like an accordion and a screen that does not have OLED. It's just an LCD screen. It was put between it. But all of what the controller does is exactly what a PS5 controller does. It has all of the smart functions and vibrations and the trigger being you know, part of the game. It's just you carrying the screen. And it allows you to play your PlayStation via Wi-Fi while it's on. On another screen, you can still play it. It doesn't mean you can stream cloud games, but you can play your PlayStation using PlayStation Remote Play. You're able to basically run your PlayStation 5 in your palm. I've looked at a couple of reviews. I've been paying attention to this thing. It seems like it's a very niche market. There's a lot of arguments about other devices that do the same thing. There's a backbone, all these other things. But Willie, I wanted to hear what you thought about this and... Do you think this was a waste on on Sony's part? Hey, you you know what? It, it for me, it's almost like a okay, it's here kind of thing. I don't know if this was necessarily smart for PlayStation to invest in. It, it, it I could see if someone were to say they just did this for for a quick buck, because you know it, it's it's a quick buck. It is portable play. That's fun. It's a crazy thing that Nintendo seems to have been dominating at for the last. 10 years so for me i just see it and it does nothing for me if i had it i could probably use it if i don't have it i'm not gonna feel the loss uh and that's because i'm a gamer i play games and i played them a lot and so when the time comes for me to disconnect from it when i go on vacation when i leave my house to go out and chill with my friends or hang out at a family member's house that is my disconnection time. I don't have any urge to want to pull this out and play my game. Now, if I had it, would I do it? Yes. But do I feel like it's a need for me? No. But if people love it, fair to them. I've seen people say, I'm able to play games while my wife is watching the TV that the PlayStation is connected on. Separate but together time. That's awesome. For me, that does nothing for me because it's, it's, it is cheap to me. It is streaming, so your system needs to be on anyway, which to me, I don't like leaving my system on unless I'm right next to it to be able to turn it off if something happens. You need to just, it's a screen, bro. It's a screen with a controller. I was able to connect to my PlayStation 4 using a controller on my iPad. So this doesn't feel like something that should have been made. It feels like they could have done something better if they really wanted to versus trying to get a quick buck. I respect that. Yeah, I think you're definitely... um a representation of a lot of people that are in your position. They don't want gaming to go on the go with them anymore. They want to let their gaming system where they play it be where they play it for whatever their reasons may be. Um, and I think I'm kind of like in the middle, but also on the other end of the spectrum or the other party of that, which would be, I wish I could play more. I wish that it was easier to sit in front of my TV and play more. But the reality is like I don't get to put my PlayStation out in the living room because I have a two-year-old that will rip it off of the console and it will break my account, my console. So uh, 
I've been looking at that angle and I'm like, okay, well, this device allows you to take your system with you anywhere within the house. And it looks like it is the best in terms of, because it comes straight from Sony, not having a delay or a lag while you're playing via the, via Wi-Fi, which I think is pretty cool. That's a pretty cool concept. It's only $200 as well. I think of the backbone and the fact that it is a, which is a device that you can use to turn your phone into a game, a game console, and you can play the same thing. Um, or other games on the on the iPhone or on your Android. I just think like a hundred bucks for that means that this two hundred dollar device is pretty pretty correctly priced in my opinion. If it's an exclusive Sony thing, so I don't think I'm gonna buy it. But I'm not gonna say I wasn't tempted to that I saw it and was like, oh maybe. But I think like. I'll be okay, but I can understand the folks that are super gassed because they got four kids and they can't use the TV because their kids is hogging the TV and they run in this system. So Sony will catch their bag, but uh, we all we all want that that PlayStation, that PSP, that PS Vita, that 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 that. Bring it back, Sony. Come on, one more time for us. Do it one more time for us. Do something sexy. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. You you know before we leave Sony, bro, I just want to talk about um. Let's let's take a look at Naughty Dog, right? Because the the streets, you know, the rumors, Twitter, they're saying that we're getting The Last of Us Part Two on PS5, and I think that no matter what, people are gonna love it. They're gonna hate it. Is it a remaster or a remake? Why are, why are Naughty Dog wasting their time on this, bro? I'm gonna be there day one. Hopefully, they bundle it with The Last of Us Part One. And then we could buy both games at the same time for the PS5. Um, you know, those games, they, they're trying to keep them as, as relevant as possible, I guess. And yeah, maybe Naughty Dog has been shaky a little bit with some of their recent game discussions and stuff. But um, what I really want to talk about when it comes to Naughty Dog, because that's just a fun little rumor that I'm, I'm excited for. Um, the real news is that Naughty Dog creative head Neil Druckmann, Last of Us, you know, he's going to be honored by the New York video games, uh, critic circle. He is going to get the, the legend award. Uh, the award is intended to recognize those who have propelled the gaming world forward and celebrating their profound impact on the industry that continues to captivate and connect people worldwide. And, you know, people immediately because of the last of us part two, Neil Druckmann's getting this award? Ugh, gross. He put this in the game and did this, and The Last of Us 2 was trash, and yada, yada, yada. Bro, for me, Neil Druckmann does deserve this award because he has propelled this forward. He has done things to the video game industry. He worked on The Last of Us Part 1, like the original 2013 Last of Us. Let's think about this. He made Uncharted 4. Uncharted 4, my favorite video game of all time. Those two games changed the way that video games were made forever. God of War 2018 doesn't exist without the work that Neil Druckmann has put into video games. Even The Last of Us Part 2 was a propel forward for video games. Like, say what you want. I think that he deserves this 1 million percent. I'm extremely happy for Neil Druckmann, especially because of the way all the 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 haters have treated him over the last few years since The Last of Us 2 has released. So what do you think about Neil Druckmann and getting this award, bro? I think Neil Druckmann deserves the award. I think he does. I think he's been a giant. 
I think he's he's released games that have won game of the year back to back as a director. He knows how to tell a story. He's he's been at the wheel of ushering Last of Us to the live action show screen this year. That is legendary activity. When we talk about the grand nature of The Last of Us on TV and how after video game adaptation after video game adaptation failing on the big screen or even on the TV screen, these guys were able to accomplish this. Craig Mazin, you know, he deserves all of the love he got for the show and all the love he will get as we go to the awards. Neil Druckmann deserves this award. Um, do I think he's peaked? Not at all. I think he's just getting started. It reminds me of Nolan. When we talk about how great Nolan is as a director, but he's really just started. He has a fraction of the amount of movies that Scorsese has. So it's like, I'm excited for what's to come from Neil Druckmann. Congratulations. You have propelled the gaming world forward. I agree with that statement. I'm excited about that. Um, and uh, I hope that this inspires other game directors to keep pushing it. Corey, what you did with God of War, I know you took a bend, sat on the bench for the second game, but that was genre bending, in my opinion. And if they take that and they put that on the screen, take take a take note from Druckmann, man. Get at the wheel, bro. Make sure you fight to make sure they put you in that room, bro. Please, man. We got to do this right. If we're going to do this, we're going to do this right. Neil has done it right. So congratulations to him. Um, I'm just glad to, to, to be a part of this community as all of this change and this propelling is happening. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited to be alive and active during this stage of gaming. There's a lot of weird changes, and I'm excited to see the way it evolves. Now, um, before we head to the awards awards, the, the video game awards, last thing I want to talk about in the gaming world, bro, is Suicide Squad kills the Justice League. It was shown off after months of being quiet. Rocksteady drops their first in a series of videos that they will be dropping about Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League. I know you and I have discussed it before. Before Kuzawap, we've discussed it. We've discussed it maybe a tad bit spread throughout Kuzawap. What did you think of their 20-minute showcase video, bro? When I first saw the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League gameplay overview video, I said, okay, this is an example of a time when us as the fan base have a lot more power than I think we think we do. And I think we literally bullied this game into disappearing and representing itself. And I just think that's cool. You know, I know, Willie, you might have your thoughts about the game, us giving it a chance, Rocksteady trying to do something different. That's fair. To me, if you're doing something different, then this is how you come. They should have came out with this level of intention from the beginning. Let's show them the story. Let's show them the process, our heart behind wanting to do something different. You don't take your fan base, which has come to you for a dedicated product, and then just say, hey, uh, we're going to try something different. So just rock with us. No, 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 brand, no industry would say that that's the wise way to make a change. If you look at any business, and I think gaming is not, it's not different. I think them stopping, showing their heart, showing why they want to do this, how they go about it, what this really means when they say it's fully cooperative. The fact that this isn't just some arcadey experience, but there's intentionality behind the story. I think it's really important that they distinguish themselves against games like Gotham Knight by doing what they're doing. Very, very happy for them. This excited me. The trailer was fire. I can't decide if I'm going to want to, you know, swing around slash 
<laughs> a grappling hook away around like I can't decide if I want to swing around or grappling hook around as Harley Quinn or if I'm thinking I want to be Captain Boomerang because some of his traversal looks really cool. Even the jetpack looks fine. I just I think there's a lot to experience in this game from off one video. I'm excited for all the other videos that will come out in this series. W, W Rocksteady. W Rocksteady for this whole thing, the way that they presented this. You know, I'm happy to hear you say that, bro, because I, I know that it was rough when Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League was announced. I know you were hating on Gotham Knights, and I know that that didn't please you either. And now for me, when it came to Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League, it was a case of I need to see more. Always been I need to see more. However, in our discussions, it was, well, Rocksteady's trying something new. And I can appreciate them trying something new. But you're right. Presentation matters. And that's what won them this victory. I feel like, you know, presentation of here's what we want to do with our story. Here's the angle we, we are approaching this at. Here's what we're doing. And, and I appreciate them doing this. It's actually what I feel like every video game company needs to do, bro. I remember when GTA 5 was releasing and they were dropping weekly. Here's what you can do in GTA 5 videos. Games should be doing this when they're, you know, uh, the genre that this game is aiming to be. It should be, here's this, and then two weeks later, here's this, leading up to the game. Discuss why you made these decisions instead of just letting fans sit and wonder. People thought that there was a canceled Superman game and that WB Studios pushed them in this direction. And I think that WB does have something to do with uh, at least a little bit, like... Maybe they're pushing some elements, but it, I think this video made it clear that Rocksteady, this was their intention. Shake it up a little bit after working on three Arkham games for so many years, right? So I enjoyed the video. I'm excited to play the story. I'm excited to see the story that this game has in it. Maybe not the gameplay elements that we are haven't seen yet. So, you know, for me, I'm just, it looks like it's going to be a fun co-op experience. That's what I'm going to be there for. Me and my dude playing co-op together, maybe even three of us because it's a four-player co-op game. Shout out to next week's episode of Cuzzlewop. Stay tuned to see what it is co-op wise, but I'm excited to have a co-op superhero game that takes place in the Arkham universe. I'm excited to see how the Arkham universe grows and I'm excited to hear Kevin Conroy's final performance as Batman, bro. That's what I'm going to be there for. We're going to have a Batman Arkham episode of Cuzzlewop before this game drops. So besides that, bro, let's move in to the final topic of discussion for this episode. Now, you might be looking at the runtime for the episode and saying, damn, final topic? Really? Yeah. The Game Award nominees have dropped. And we're going to sit here right now. And we're going to talk about both our and what we think will win in many of these categories. When did they drop these nominations, this nomination list? So they dropped the list on Monday and they've opened up the polls. So go vote, people. Vote for what you're hoping to win, what you would like to win. But, you know, in order to make sure that it's not just a popularity contest, the, these votes only do with like a small percentage when it comes to... Uh, Who's actually going to win? And I'm excited, you know, for the Game Awards. As usual, they're going to be trailers for new stuff. And, you know, we're going to talk about the Game Awards in a reflection of 2023 video game episode that we've got planned for the middle of January. So to look at the nomination list, 
We're going to start off in the category of most anticipated game for 2024. We've got Final Fantasy Rebirth, Hades 2, Like a Dragon, Infinite Wealth, Star Wars Outlaws, and Tekken 8. Now, of this list, for me, it's Star Wars Outlaws, but I feel like the two biggest contenders are going to be the Final Fantasy and Hades 2. I think it's going to be either of those, probably Final Fantasy, but Hades 2 is my sleeper pick. I think Final Fantasy is the biggest contender in that list, in my opinion, but I agree with you. I'm more excited for Outlaws. Uh, We some Star Wars boys over here at Kazuwap. Hey, you know what? I'm going to put my foot down just to go against you, just for fun. Hades 2, sleeper pick, it's going to get this category. But if Final Fantasy gets it, come on, so I'm not going to be crazy surprised. But up next, we got best adaptation. Now, there are five options here. We've got Castlevania Nocturne. We've got Gran Turismo. We've got The Last of Us. We've got the Super Mario Bros. movie. And we've got Twisted Metal. Now, in my opinion, there's only two big options on this list, and I'm going with The Last of Us, bro. Of course, everyone wants to go The Last of Us. It took the world by storm. But what you don't know is that there's a big world and that the Game of the, the Game of the Year awards, you know, are watched by the world. And so I think Super Mario is pretty big in the world. I think it made a lot of money. It grossed a lot of bread. I mean, it's crazy what you don't know. I know Mario, bro. I know Mario. But what you don't understand is the fact that it's best adaptation. Mario didn't adapt shit. They made a Mario movie with a Mario story that's just never been done. What The Last of Us did was manage to make one of the greatest and first, like, really widely accepted video game adaptations. They adapted the story from the games to the television screen in a way that made sense, honored the original game and its plot, and, you know, had to do a few things to change for for, for TV experience, but it, it did it incredibly well. So widely accepted, it, it's got to be the vote for me. And I, I, I just don't see anything else winning. If Mario wins, it's because of popularity for me. This is one of those situations where you're right. The, the, the definition of the award is part of what definitely sends it to The Last of Us. I agree with you. I, I just view The Last of Us as a cultural achievement for uh, adaptations versus Mario was a fun family time. Um, but, we're, you know, let's just move forward, bro. Let's go into best multiplayer we've got Baldur's Gate 3 Diablo 4 Party Animals Street Fighter 6 and Super Mario Bros Wonder now you was just talking about Mario like could it win it sure I think this flew under the radar I think that I've played Party Animals I, I it's the only one on this list I've actually played it's fun it shouldn't get that award um so I'm going to go with the safe choice. And you're probably going to hear me say this a lot, bro. I'm going with Baldur's Gate 3. Bro, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to take the show in a lot of ways. And I'm in the party and I want to go on record saying this now. As this episode drops, November 17th, hear me loud and clear. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is an insane technical achievement. I think the game is well written. I think it is amazing. I think it's astonishing. It's nothing shy of five stars. Here's my thing. There's a lot of world out there 
And there isn't everyone in the world wanting to play this particular game. This game is a niche game. And that is something that I'm interested in seeing if these awards have the ability to make room for conceptually. I'm not saying Spider-Man 2, as we get down to that, that conversation at Game of the Year, is even on the level of what Baldur Gate 3 did on a technical level. But there's some conversations that we need to have, and I'm hoping we can have them here at Kuzawab, and we have them when we talk about the, the, the games of 2023. I think Baldur's Gate is going to win a lot of little categories like this, but there are some categories where if you choose that immediately, me and you are scrapping because I just don't know, bro. Respectfully, I just don't know. So, so all that to say, bro... Is it taking best multiplayer? Yes. I just want to... It's the first time we have Baldur's Gate pop up in these choices. So now you'll know going forward, yes, it's taking this little category in my opinion. All right. Well, let's move forward to best family game. Um, we got Disney Illusion Island, Party Animals, Pinkman 4, Sonic Superstars, or Super Mario Bros. Wonder. I mean, Sonic is a fan favorite. Uh, I've only played Party Animals. It's been okay. I didn't even hear about Disney Illusion. It's going to go to Mario, bro. Let's be real. Wonder, bro. The Wonder is like um, Super Mario 3, uh, not 3D World. Yeah, 3D World um, from the Nintendo 64. It's literally like a colorful Mario instance that they brought into the modern day. And it feels really nice. And it's mad fun to play with friends. I have no doubts. They definitely are going to take that this year. All right. Well, up next, we've got Best Fighting Game. God of Rock, Mortal Kombat 1, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl 2, Pocket Bravery, and Street Fighter 6. Now, there's only two options, Mortal Kombat 1, Street Fighter 6. And I'm going Mortal Kombat, but it's between those two. Yeah, it always it always comes down to those two. And I think, um, I think MK1 is going to take this one. I think them going back to their roots, being willing to take the chance and reintroduce these characters we know and love and a new skin and world and feel that's just one thing but then again street fighter doesn't have a cultural connection to what it's around mk has always done its thing where it's like all right we'll bring that character from that show or that character from that movie or that and they bring the and so i think that also gives it an edge i i just think nether realm are in a completely great position right now they're doing great things DLC is dropping soon. The game is fantastic. I'm going to get my hand on it. I've just been watching my friend play. But um, up next, we've got Best RPG. Now, uh, the nominations are Bowler's Gate 3, Final Fantasy, Lies of P, Sea of Stars, and Starfield. Now, to me, Bowler's Gate 3 wins. It wins this category. I don't physically see how, how it can't. Like, it, it's out of my mind. But the other option would be Starfield, and I don't think Starfield deserves to take it, but they might give it to it because it's not nominated for a lot. I don't think Lies of P will take it. I don't think it's original enough. But then when I look at Baldur's Gate, I'm like, Tsss. the thing about Starfield, bro, is that it came and it left. I don't know about you. I heard a lot about it, and then it went away. And I think it's because it didn't create something that the masses wanted to live in. A lot of people were complaining about that game. A lot of people felt like it was hollow. A lot of people felt like it was like, we already had No Man's Sky. There's a lot of arguments around that game. 
Baldur's Gate 3, I have not seen a single negative comment about this game on the internet outside of it's boring and it's not my style of game. That's it. It's literally a technical marvel. So I think it'll probably win. Well, up next, we've got best action adventure game. Now, for this category, it means for the best action adventure game combining combat with traversal and puzzle solving. Now, for me, I look at these options. Alan Wake 2, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Star Wars Jedi Survivor, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, and I immediately throw away Resident Evil 4 because it's a remake. I never do remakes on these lists. I can't do it. It just, it, it, it digs at me. And I know some people might get offended for that, bro. I know people that love Resident Evil. Sorry, I can't do it. It doesn't deserve to go up against these other four. Alan Wake 2, I've heard it's great. I just don't see it competing with Marvel Spider-Man 2, Jedi Survivor, or Tears of the Kingdom. That's out. Any of these other three games can win, and I'd be like, okay, because I know each of them have their, their strong suits. Traversal, Spider-Man 2, come on, son. That it was. We'll get to talk about Spider-Man 2 in its own episode, but Traversal, that's great. Jedi Survivor. The puzzle and combat was so satisfying. And Marvel Spider-Man 2 had satisfying combat, but Jedi and Survivor, I think, beats it in that category. Um, and I haven't played Tears of the Kingdom, bro. And that being the case, I'm going to guess what I think will win, which I think is Tears of the Kingdom. I think Tears of the Kingdom is going to win because it's Tears of the Kingdom. But I think when it comes to the traversal and when it comes to the puzzle solving, I think that it wins against the other two, if you think about it specifically. But for me, if I had to say what I want to choose, hot take, I think it would be cool to see Jedi Survivor win. Um, I think I enjoyed Jedi Survivor. It made more of a mark on me as an adventure game this year than any other game. So, My choice for me is Jedi Survivor. And I really want to pick it as the one that I think it's going to win. Maybe I should stick with my gut. But if I had to choose any of these options... I'm picking Zelda. Um, but for me, Jedi Survivor, it was the adventure game of the year for me. Uh, Spider-Man 2 was a great time, but it didn't scream adventure to me. And so reading the, you know, the the definition of this category, I'm like, okay, yeah, Spider-Man belongs in here, but it didn't feel like a grand adventure the way Jedi Survivor did, which is why it has my vote for my personal, uh, you know, winner in this category uh, as of right now. But up next, we've got best action game with the options being Armored Core 4, Fires of Rubicon, Dead Island 2, Ghost Runner 2, Hi-Fi Rush, and Remnant 2. I haven't played any of these games, but based on everything I've heard, my guess would be Ghost Runner 2. Yeah, I think Ghost Runner 2 takes this one. All right, well, up next, we've got best ongoing game, Apex Legends, Cyberpunk 2077, Final Fantasy, Fortnite, Genshin Impact. Now, I can only speak to one of these games being Fortnite. Never cared for Legends. Uh, Apex, of course. Don't really care for Genshin Impact or the Final Fantasy stuff. And I haven't played Cyberpunk. But I feel like the, the I mean, Fortnite and Cyberpunk might be the two biggest hitting tanks in this particular category. And I'm actually surprised to see Cyberpunk here. So maybe you could speak to that. But for my, my personal choice will be Fortnite. Um, but I could see Cyberpunk taking it all, maybe. Uh, but go ahead. 
I think we had this conversation. We talked about at the end of the year, is it okay if this game gets nominated for game of the year? And we said, no, it's not okay because it's not a new game. It's an expansion upon a game that already existed. It's a remake. They've already had their debut. This isn't their debut. This is their remake. They're re-emerging. They're revitalizing. Okay, so then here's a category where it's literally designed for a game that lives on. And I think that it definitely deserves to be in this category. And in that case, it will blow every other game out the water because what it's doing is not the same as any of the other games that are in the actual category with it. So I think it's going to win. All right. Well, up next, we're going to talk about best performance. We've got Final Fantasy with Ben Starr, Jedi Survivor with Cameron Monaghan, Melanie LeBird for Alan Wake 2, Idris Elba for Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty, Marvel Spider-Man 2's Yuri Lonthal, and Neil Newbon for Baldur's Gate 3. Now, I've only played two of these games. So it's Yuri against Cameron. Yuri was great as Spider-Man. Don't get me wrong. But there are so many points in the game where I wish he had gone a little bit further, pushed it a little bit further. Um, maybe because I've heard some things from Yuri before where I'm like, if he would have hit that here, that would have been great. Some screams of agony and stuff. I would have loved to hear it hurt harder. But you know, that might be a narrative choice, which we, I guess, we'll talk about when we do our Marvel Spider-Man 2 episode. But when it comes to Cameron, not only did his voice acting sell me during the game, but his mocap facial performance sold me in many of the scenes. So for that reason, I'm going to pick Cameron as my winner for me. Um, but they could easily give it to Baldur's Gate 3. They could give it to Phantom Liberty with Idris. They could give it to Yuri. They could give it to Cameron. They could, I, don't, I don't know. I haven't played these games enough to see. So to put my foot down, I'm just going to rock with my choice because I have no other knowledge. I think I understand what you're saying. And we'll talk more about this in Marvel Spider-Man 2. But I'll give this one to Yuri because I think Yuri, all the other characters have range in the game. But... What I liked about what Yuri did with Spidey this year is he played range in a way that was um, like his performance is what made the character. It wouldn't have been believable if he didn't land his lines the way he was supposed to in each scene. And I feel like it was a safe story, which we'll talk about, but it was safe in Yuri's hands almost. So I'll give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. All right. Well, up next, we've got best audio design, Alan Wake 2, Dead Space, Hi-Fi Rush, Marvel Spider-Man 2, and Resident Evil 4. I'm going to, based on what I have seen, give it to Alan Wake 2. Remedy Remedy did their thing with the audio design. Oh, yeah. The, Remedy's got this one in the bag. There's there's really no other things to talk about. They're, they're actually really well known for winning this particular award in each of their games. Um, this is a horror game. We've talked about getting into horror and how sound is very important in setting the scene and setting the tone. They, they leaned into their strength and they decided we're going to make a game in here and they did it. And it's 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 one of the best games of the year. So I have no doubts that they won, they won this one. All right. Well, to keep it pushing, we've got best score and music. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Final Fantasy, Hi-Fi Rush, or The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I don't necessarily have an opinion on this category. I'll throw it to Baldur's Gate. My my problem with this category is that Star Wars, keep in mind, Star Wars 
Jedi Survivor is not on this list, and I feel like it should. And I'm I, I I don't know. I feel like this is a huge snub, bro. Ridiculous. Have you not seen the last scene when he's just watching his dead master's body for like a day and a half, two days, and he's just looking at it, and he's just like. And then the music is just blasting in the background and you're just like, damn, I'm feeling this whole thing right now. Yeah, nah, some, something was missed here. Somebody missed something. Someone ain't played his game the way they were supposed to be playing. But like I said, safe choice, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, it's probably going to win. Um, but if it doesn't, I'll wait too. All right. Well, up next, we've got Best Art Direction, Alan Wake 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Lies of P, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I think this is an easy Alan Wake 2. Maybe not easy. Maybe let me, let me respect Zelda. But I'm going Alan Wake 2. I'm Alan Wake on this one because uh, Legend of Zelda is a continuation of what has already existed. So if you're talking outstanding creative and technical or technical achievement and artistic design, I think Alan Wake 2 has literal live footage, animation, Sound effects, all, all, all of it makes into this thing. Hi-Fi Rush was a beautiful game. I just don't think it. It still lives in. It almost still lives in like indie indie world, world. Unfortunately, not the indie world isn't special. You know what I mean. I'm just saying that I think we're talking about the big leagues. Respectfully, respectfully. Mario Wonder could get could get in this conversation. I do think that as much as it quote unquote is the remake or like a uh, what's the word reincarnate take on wonder and 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 this you know the weird world of mario i still think it's not original enough and so i think alan wake too that's why i would put that there liza p is cool but nah sorry i just i don't don't know i don't know why liza p is in this shit bro respectfully i i don't i don't i don't think it's anything new i don't i mean it was a cool game but like come on all right well up next we've got best narrative alan wake 2 baldur's gate 3 Cyberpunk 2077 Phantom Liberty, Final Fantasy, and Marvel's Spider-Man 2. Now, I've only played one of these games, and if I'm going to be honest, I don't want it to win this category. So I'm going safe route, Baldur's Gate 3. Baldur's Gate's going to take this. It's just going to take it. Uh, should it take it? It's it's so layered in its narrative that it's like it's a technical marvel. But do I care about the story they were writing as much as I did with Alan and Cyberpunk? Ah, but what is it about? Is it about what's who's done it? Who's done it the best, or who's done it in a way that connects with you? Know it's hard. These freaking game awards are hard. I'll just give it to Baldur's Gate. I'm gonna put it on Baldur's Gate. Anyways, man, let's get to the next category, bro. Because I'll keep fumbling over this concept. I swear. You know. You say that, but we're probably going to stay in that spot, bro. And I apologize, but there's only two categories left. And so the one we're on now is Best Game Direction. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now for me, I once again don't want to give this to Spider-Man. I don't. And so do I go Baldur's Gate 3, Alan Wake 2, Legend of Zelda? Ah, 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 Baldur's Gate 3. Let's keep it safe, bro. It's not Spider-Man and it's not Zelda because it's not Spider-Man. So, and I would say it's not Super Mario Bros. Wonder as well for the same thing. We're going to keep coming to Alan Wake 2 and Baldur's Gate. And I think, ah, it depends, bro. Here we are. It depends, bro. 
Well, you know, I'm just going to assume you're, you're sticking with that Baldur's Gate safe answer, bro. And so let's push towards game of the year. Alan Wake 2, Baldur's Gate 3, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Resident Evil 4, Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Now, I can't for the life of me, like I said before, give it to Resident Evil 4. I don't even think Resident Evil 4 should be on this list. I think there are two other games that deserve to be here over this. And that is Jedi Survivor or Starfield. But I'm really happy Starfield isn't here because I think it was way overhyped. And where is it now? It's just disappeared. Come on, son. Um, Super Mario Bros. Wonder also being here over those other two games was a surprise to me. But hey, go Nintendo. You got you got two of them on the list, right? Um, I'm going to go Baldur's Gate 3. Easy here. Um, but Tears of the Kingdom could win it too. It could, and that would be that would be huge. Um, I'm not giving it to Marvel Spider-Man. I think it's here, and it was always going to be here because of the hype. Because you know, it's just it's Spider-Man and it's PlayStation. Um, which is again why I'm surprised Starfield isn't here because that's the Xbox exclusive. But um, Alan Wake Two, I think it just came out too late uh, for people to be able to digest the game before making decisions on this and everything like that. And then, uh, yeah, so my, my big two are Baldur's Gate three and Legend of Zelda. And I'm putting my foot down for Baldur's Gate three. Now, now before you go though, I do also want to mention that I think it's easier this year picking a winner for people than last year. I think Baldur's Gate three and Zelda. Yeah, it's in discussion, but I think, Last year's Elden Ring and Ragnarok is a harder discussion. And I think Ragnarok should have won it last year. Been vocal about this. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just felt like last year, although I think this year has been a better year for gaming, last year was a harder in choice. It was harder to decide. Similar to the voice acting category from earlier, I wasn't necessarily in crazily impressed with anything this year compared to last year. But um, yeah. Choices this year, they're there. It was easy. It was too easy. Yeah, man. I think last year's choice, uh, nah, I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't. I can't. Can't keep having this conversation with people, bro. I'm a menace. Baldur's Gate 3 will win this year. That's cool. Respect to Baldur's Gate 3. It's been a good year for gaming. Last year, bro, Elden Ring won. That's cool. Whatever y'all want to say, Ragnarok won that, though. It won that, though. It was the best game of the year last year. Oh, but it was just on PlayStation. It was better. It was it was the best game across all fields. What does it say? It says the game of the year is awarded as a recognition of a game that delivers the absolute best experience across all creative and technical fields. On a technical level, Elden Ring was not holding Ragnarok. On a technical level, Baldur's Gate is flexing on every single game in this list. But spirit of a game and the way it feels, do these actual categories make room for that? I just don't know. I'm excited to see all of the banter and conversation that comes from the Game Awards December 7th. We will definitely be talking our thoughts at the top of next year. I'm glad we got to do this on the back end of this episode as well because it's got me angst up. And I have some games I need to finish. Willie, you need to play some more of these games, bro. You're, you're wild now. I'm not bugging out. I'm a broke 
graduate school student. Chill on me. My semester finished this week. It's time. It's time for me to catch up on the games, the movies, the TV shows that I have missed since my semester has began. So until then, man, we did our new seven. We talked about things we were interested in. Hopefully you guys have things you're interested in, whether or not we spoke about it. I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for the game awards and I'm excited to just progress in entertainment following these strikes. Well, that being said, we thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Kazawap. This was news episode seven. We've got six other news episodes where throughout the year, we just kind of put our finger on the pulse of what's going on in entertainment culture. If you want to have a blast from the past, feel free to listen to any of those if you've missed them, um, especially as we're reaching the end of the year. You want to remember what you watched, what went on. You can kind of look at all of the episodes we've offered here at Kazawap and be able to get a good idea of, oh, I forgot this drop this year or oh yeah marvel has been on the bench this year as dc has kind of showed it's it's coming for them like there's a lot of different dynamics that we try to speak on here at kuzawap and we will continue to do so especially when it comes to the news we love y'all for always listening and for taking a, a moment to just maybe drive to the office and throw this on or maybe go for a walk whatever it is you do when you listen to kuzawap we appreciate you as a community please comment down in the youtube uh, anything that you might be thinking, questions you might want to hear asked uh, on an upcoming Q&A episode or maybe topics you'd love for us to talk on. We love all that interaction down there. Uh, it's always great to have an episode here at Kuzawap where you'll always find two cousins, one podcast, and endless entertainment. See you soon. <laughs>